My name is Tom Carlson, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Tom. Uh, you know, thank you, Charlie. It is. It's uh, just things that uh, we've learned, and I, I know some of you from here, and it's good to see you all. And it, it, I've met you, too, on this journey, and thanks for coming back. Thanks for coming around. Um, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Uh, I like speaking at this meeting because, like Charlie said, there is good food. <laughs> and and, and I, well, not just that, but it, what's really good is if I kind of talk in a monotone and, and that, I know you'll fall asleep and then I can just keep talking. So, you know, I, 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 it's a beneficial to both of us. Um, anyway, my birth date uh, is August 14th, 1951. Um, I, um, I didn't have any ambition to be sitting at this table tonight. You know, it was the farthest thing from my mind. Um, I don't. I really didn't know until I got to Alcoholics Anonymous and I read my shirt and the book that you see in front of me that it started to make sense. And um, I'll see if I can uh, make some sense for you that's starting and, and uh, maybe some uh, sense to some of you that, you know, all the alcohol's been out now for a while. You know, we're about as dry as we can get. What the heck do we do now? Um, so I'm, uh, I'm the oldest. I never saw my father drunk. I'm from a small town in Michigan. Um, I just, um, uh, had an understanding that I thought that I was supposed to chase women first, uh, drive cars and then go to bar and get drunk and be able to drink. And that was uh, pretty limited to my ambition. You know, besides I was going to be a professional baseball player, with the Detroit Tigers, if I, I'll drop a name, Al Kaline. I was going to be the answer to Al Kaline. And really, as I look back, because reflection is one of the things the program has given me. I, I never looked back. I never reflected on anything. Uh, and I look back and activities in the backyard, competitions in the backyard with different age groups, um, then later on in sports and stuff, really kept me on the state and narrow, you know, for a long, long time. Um, my story doesn't say that I snuck, you know, and drank at 13 and I was a renegade and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I was a renegade, but I was a sober renegade, I guess. Hell, I was sober till I was 17, and then I turned 18, and, you know, and so the, the bet was off. Um, so I was pretty dedicated to, to sports. I never saw my my father drunk, and and that's just kind of you know what happened, and that kept me on the straight and narrow, as I said. And and I wasn't uh, a valedictorian by any way, but I wasn't on the bottom of the class either. I was somewhere probably in the sixty percent level, you know. And I got done, and I pretty much did things unless I had a passion for it that would um, keep my dad's foot out of my butt. You know, you know, getting him mad. He taught me how to work. You know, he was a worker. And, and uh, uh, so anyway, I remember one time um, it was between my uh, uh, let's see, basketball season and baseball season. My senior year, we went uh, and they used to have grassers back in the 50s and 60s. And uh, it wasn't the, the grass that we smoked, but it, I'm sure they were doing it, but it was like keggers in these places and far off things. And my first baseman that I was going to, you know, he said, come on, I knew he drank. And so 
I don't know when he bought the beer, you know, but it had to be at about 2 in the afternoon or got it somehow 2 in the afternoon. And he's not coming to get me till 8.30 that night. And uh, we didn't have coolers and stuff like that. He was put in the back of his trunk. And um, it was uh, Colt 45, malt liquor. Yeah, it was great stuff, except for if it's six hours in the back of a trunk. And uh, I thought, man, what is, what's so good about this? You know, it, was, it wasn't tasty. It was warm, blah, blah. And um, we almost got in trouble, all the athletes, because it was an athlete. You know, a lot of the athletes were at this party. And uh, we got the law laid down, and I stopped. Uh, I'm a... a a child of the Vietnam War era, towards the end. I graduated in 1969. Um, I had no ambitions. My father worked in the same factory for 44 years. I thought I was just going to get into a, a better factory. You know, uh, I was going to get into one of the big three. I was going to make a lot of bucks there. They were making a lot of bucks, you know, linemen and that. And so I, that was it. You know, if I wasn't going to be a professional athlete, I'll just go to Ford, you know, and, and finish there. Well, there we had a thing called the draft, and, and uh, you know you'd watch things and watch uh, you know all sorts of stuff going on there, and you check out about two years before. I think we started watching it about my sophomore year, you know, and I'm two sixty, three fifteen, all that kind of stuff. So I'm going, hey, no problem. I'm not my my number's not going to come up. The year I turned eighteen, uh, and uh, my number came up, it was below seventy. And the rumor had it back in Michigan that you uh, went and got physical, six weeks, something like that, after training tech. You were in Vietnam. My dad never hunted. Charlie knows I never even shot a gun. And Phil, recently, I had never shot a gun. Okay, I was in good shape, and I'm going to go over and shoot people. You know, that kind of stuff. There was only one way out. I wasn't going to go to Canada. I wasn't going to get a medical and there was one thing called a college deferment. Well, I was good enough in baseball not to be professional, but I got some offers, you know, for playing baseball at colleges. So that's how I made my decision to go, and I went there. I was 17 when I got out of high school, so I, I couldn't go into the factories, and I needed to make some money. You know, and uh, so I got a job as a, a, in construction, a labor in construction. And those of you that are in construction know. What do you do at the end of a week? Maybe even at the end of the day? You crack a beer. Well, it was 21 at the time. You know, in, in the book here, uh, Bill says, I have arrived. Well, here I am, 17. I'm, I'm working with some guys in college and older guys. And I get done, and he gives me a beer. And I showed up in the 12 and 12. Big shot-itis, I think, if you read the literature. And that was me, man. I, I had arrived. I'm 17. I'm drinking beer. And I didn't even have to go to a bar. To give you an idea, as a reflection back, I had a Volkswagen with a sunroof. I was dating this girl about 20 miles out from where we were working. And you know how fast those old Volkswagens go. Well, I got the sunroof open and my head sticking out the top and I'm standing on the accelerator, you know, after I get done. I can't wait to get out there, you know, to see her. I didn't know it at the time. I just thought it was that thrill. Went to college, and I didn't know how to study. Um, I almost flunked out, and uh, 
I had a choice. I either better get my act together or I'm in deep trouble. And um, I uh, was going into, uh, I thought being the first male going into college, I'm supposed to be a doctor or a lawyer. So I'm in the School of Liberal Arts, and I can't think past that styrofoam cup, you know, concretely, you know, and that. And I only studied like I did in high school the day before. You know, I'm, I have a pretty good memory for the high school tests. I'm a visual. I can see that page. Boom, boom. The damn college, you know what they do? Well, you guys know. Some of you have been there. They test the whole book. And I can't memorize the whole book. I can't visualize the whole book. So I'm not doing real good on tests. I don't know how it came about. I don't know. I don't think I sought help. You know, we're talking about help today. But somebody said, who had the most influence on you? And I said, coaches. And they suggested, you need to go into the School of Education. Okay. And so I did. Um, I'm sitting here at a three-time retiree, 38 years in the classroom and uh, total. And um, I was a principal for eight of those. Can you believe that? Uh, those of you that know me, I'm sure you're shaking your head. <laughs> anyway, so... I don't know how I did it. I didn't stop. I, I knew I had uh, uh, problems with drinking. Uh, I had a urination problem. I had a blackout problem. You know, uh, those things came up, and I just thought I hadn't practiced enough because I didn't start till I was 17 and into college. And I, and I wasn't the world's best baseball player the first time. I wasn't the world's best at anything. But my dad taught me how to work hard. And I thought, shit, I'll just work hard. I'll, you know, I'll get used to this. This will come around. These things will stop. I'll overcome them. And, of course, you know, as you're sitting here, you know, if you were like me, which you are, or you wouldn't be here, it never turned around. But I never gave up. I never quit not trying to overcome this. Um, my first drunk driving was 1980. Okay? I used to... Excuse me, I'm going to back, <laughs> I'm going to back up uh, before. I never got arrested in Arizona. I came out here because I was a hot shot. You know, I came from a town of about 25,000, and um, I'm a college grad now. I can't stay in this little town. You know, I'm too big, you know, on it. So we kind of moved out here, and we ended up in Phoenix, Arizona. And my big shotism again got me in trouble because I was only a laborer in the summer. Uh, Arizona, didn't, I don't know if they pay any better now, but they didn't pay these guys very well. And they all left, you know, and I stayed because I was not going to go home with my tail between my legs. I was going to show them that I'm going to I'm going to survive by myself out here. Well, I, the, the blackouts kept coming on, uh, you know, those types of things. And I'd wake up and where in the hell is my car? You know, I'd go outside the apartment, and I'd look, and there's no car. And I had no idea what I did that night, because I'd wake up and figure out, how did I get home? I found a solution. See, I find solutions before it got too bad, before I got even to that turning point. You call the police. You tell them that you had an argument with your girlfriend, and while you were asleep, she come up and stole your car and took the keys. Can you help me find it? And they find it. 
and it usually be in a place like IHOP or Denny's, somewhere where I thought I must have been hungry. I got I went, I kidnapped women, so um, you know uh, I kidnapped I kidnapped my wife in about 1976, you know, on it, um, and uh, she was an Air Force child here, blah blah blah, and we moved back. I was teaching sixth grade in Peoria. And there was a sixth grade physician, and I moved this young lady away from her family in about 1977, 2,000 miles away, to teach. And, of course, the new environment, you know, I've got a, a child coming, you know, my you know, my superintendent's my old basketball coach, blah, 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 people know me, things are going to be okay. My first drunk drive is 1980. And I messed around with this program for 10 years. My sobriety date is August 17, 1990. So I won't go through that whole 10-year period, but I'll tell you what I happened. I will qualify, then I'll get into something else. That's just my background. The book tells me that I'm not, I don't know exactly what page and all. I can't quote a lot of it, but it says that alcohol will take the place of everything in my life I'm paraphrasing, I'm sure. So my wife, being a teacher at that point, um, she uh, thought, I'll put the guy, because I'm, I'm a financially stable alcoholic. If you drink in your car, you don't have to spend a lot of money in the bar. <laughs> right? See, she knows. And so what... I, that's probably why I got four drunk drivings, maybe, you know. But um, anyway, I, she said, I'll put the ki kids in the car. You know, he won't drive for sure. With, I had two boys by that time. And, uh, of course, it went well at the beginning, you know, that kind of stuff. And then this guy started to experiment. Um, when I had one beer, it was always a 40. You know, I didn't get a six-pack. I would buy 40s and put them between my legs. And when I would get my 40, I would buy kids a pop and chips, and they'd sit in the back, and we go. Well, you know, it doesn't say every single time. Every single time I drank, I didn't get drunk and black out. And so I'm going, hey, hey, you know, I got this now. Well, I'm going to put in the word slip. I was told there's no such thing as a slip, Okay. And I used to go and pick up the language up the, as, of the uh, meetings because that would calm down my wife during that 10-year period. You know, um, again, being financially stable alcoholic, I was not going to share you know, uh, divorce money with her. So when, I, when she get all upset, I would go to an alcoholic's honest meeting and things would calm down, and I would calm down a little Never thinking, never wanting, never even desiring to stop completely, you know. And then I would, it would go again. So we're driving in that. And this Friday, I'm a reward drinker. I was a good boy all week. I was going to get drunk on this Friday. I knew it come Monday morning. So I'm good Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm not drinking nothing. I'm going to get drunk, and I'm going to drive to Ann Arbor and watch a basketball game. My wife, I, by that time, I'm drinking schnapps, okay? A, a beer would bloat me too much, so I'm pouring down schnapps really easy. 
And um, so she was going to, you know, I said, okay. I had already started drinking before the kids got out of school. I got out earlier. I was teaching middle school at the time. And I was already planning on it. And we Remember those old um, army coats with about 10,000 uh, pockets in them? You know, give or take 1,000? Field jacket. You know, yeah. Well, I had had five pints, and I had already taken some in her. I had them all put in. And I'm ready to go. She goes, okay. I, got, I said, hey, honey, there's a big game in Ann Arbor. They might need me there for crowd control, you know, being an employee of Adrian Public Schools. So, yep, you're taking the kids. I said, okay, come on, let's go, guys. We drive up there. And it wasn't when they had the wand and all the metal detective stuff going in. So I walked right in. I got all these bottles. The kids ran off. I went up on top of the thing, watched the game between every quarter. I go down into the bathroom. I go into the pooper. I drink my, I chug my bottle. I wait for everybody to go. I put it in the waste paper basket. And I go up. Miscalculation. There are four quarters in a basketball game. I've got a pint still in my pocket, and I've got to drive 45 miles back home. I'll drink it in case we get pulled over, and then they won't find it on me. <laughs> Thank you. It, it, yeah, it, it, and I can laugh. You've taught me that. Laugh now. I thought it was a great idea. I went. I told the kids, "Hey, there's a fight up here." Baba, blah, blah, blah. went up, chugged the pint. I don't even remember getting back in the car. I drove 45 miles in a blackout with two boys. I wake up, holy cripe! My sobriety date's August. We play basketball in the winter. It didn't tell me to stop. So that's the power that alcohol had over me, over my two boys. So that's my qualification. Why August uh, 17th? I know that I could go to a bar on August 14th and you would buy me drinks, being financially alcoholic that I was. So I know I drank on August 14th. You know, I, I just kind of picked August 17th because I thought Man, probably a couple days after that I might have stopped for a while. And I was done. I'd like to tell you that all those other things, all those opportunities I had, you know, would have taken a normal person and said, hey, maybe you ought to stop. I didn't. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. That's all the book tells me that. I'd like to tell you some traumatic thing happened. You don't want to go into the drunk log and all the things that we try. The book tells us that, so... I highly suggest that I was told that all my answers would be here. So that's what it was like. That's what happened. What's it like now? Well, I'm not there, but this told me things I didn't know about myself. When you don't know, you just don't know. My dad, a lot of the, my point, what's wrong with you? You're educated. You got a family, you got a good job. What is wrong? Why don't you just stop? I was very embarrassed at the time, so I wasn't arrogant quite like I am now, and I just would sit there. Well, it starts here in a doctor's opinion. It said, It did not satisfy me to be told that I could not control my drinking just because I was maladjusted to life. 
I used, I was taught to use personal pronouns. That I was in full flight from reality. I'm teaching kids, what the hell are you talking about? Or I'm an outright mental defective. How dare they? But when I'm done, when I'm done, I understood that. I understood that I could accept it. I had an allergy to a body, it says in the paragraph. I just would like to share with you the last line of that paragraph. It explains many things for which I cannot otherwise account. I couldn't answer a damn question to my folks. I couldn't answer a damn question to my, to my, uh, my wife, my kids. Dad, why are you doing that? I would pee in the dryer because I thought it was the urinal. And my kids would be up and my wife's there. and they'd be, I, I, I'm in the blackout. I don't know. You know, and, and I heard this the next morning. My wife has a, a tremendous memory. You know, and she would say, oh, yeah. And I go, and, and Sean said, why, are, why, is dad, why is dad going to the bathroom in the, in the, in the dryer? Because he's an asshole. <laughs> you keep reading on, and all of a sudden, you know what it tells you? that the purpose of the book is to find a higher power. It talks in here that I might, in, there is a solution. Once this sort of thinking is fully established in me, I was probably beyond human aid. Now what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> My dad was a worker bee. He didn't go in the backyard and say, oh, God's bad. Don't go there. Those people are bad. They never said that at all. He just worked all the time. On Sunday, he wanted meatloaf and gravy or, or you know, pot roast and, and potatoes. And he'd go back to work for six more days again. I wasn't mad at God. I heard some of the people in the program were mad at heck at this guy. But how do you go find him when you don't even know where to begin? You read a little further and it says, The central fact of my life today with absolute certainty is that my Creator is entered into my heart and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. And it didn't happen the very first day. And I, you see, I'm coming up on 30. I am still pursuing this relationship. This is what keeps me going now. I'm as dry as I'm going to get. I get a chance to come to meetings in here and find people. My sponsor would sponsor, would chair meetings in his 40-some years of writing. How can I turn my back, you know, on something that gave me such a wonderful life? You know, how, could, how can I do that? How can I say no, you know, unless I'm in the hospital, unless something of like that happens? Um, it goes on to here to do some just tremendous things for me, you know, on it. You, you, do, the, you do the steps, you know, you, you go there and, you know, you get down through there and you clean, you know, clean house, you know, and it says men's, what's an amend? I've said, th I'm sorry, you know, forgive me, a million times my words were worthless. 
I had a sponsor that said, know the words, amend means to make stronger. I'm not going to do nothing if I can't make a relationship stronger. Is just saying, I'm sorry, going to make it stronger? I don't know, that's up to you. That's, that's our personal freedom. That's how I came to understand this book and understand the program. You know, that way, slow, slow. I'm not there yet. And you know what? It's the first time I am grateful, absolutely grateful, that he's not done with me. He's not done with me. I still get back my hairs up when people say, oh, you've got to have this person that starts with a J. You must call him. I'm still that guy that says, hey, back off, man. Let me come into this. Don't be telling me what to do. But you know what I'm really good at? I can tell you what to do. Because I am pretty smart. Just ask my kids. I give them so much good unsolicited advice, it makes me puke. <laughs> and I can't imagine what it does to them. Um, I love, now I live, I don't, yeah, love, whatever. I really, really enjoy it since God either is or he isn't. God dang it. I want C. Is, isn't, maybe. I'll vote for C. It doesn't give me C. And you know, sometimes I go to the God that isn't. And I pay the price. I pay the price. But it's my choice. I'm much more aware of it now than I've ever, ever been. You know, I, I could just... Anyway, you know how it goes. And it comes here on page... Uh, something or other. It's just at the end of the promises. I hope you don't hear this on the thing. Ah, 84. We have vigorously commenced this way of living as I've cleaned up the past. I have entered the world of the Spirit. Really? Really? I guess so. It's what it says. My next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue my lifetime. Well, I had good manners. I was sharing at a meeting a while back that during Christmas break, I got a chance to go to, I, I really like an 11-step meeting up at the New Hope Alano Club, if you're way over on that one. You want to talk about a far away, that's way far away over there, if you're, I live out here. But I know for a fact that I, I, I get a chance to be quiet for five minutes as part of their program. It's part of the, you know, the, the procedure in the beginning. They don't read all the stuff. They just go right into stuff on 11-step. And I got a chance to, to meet a lady that two years ago went out with 29 years. I got a chance to listen to her. I got a chance to talk to her in the parking lot. You know, and it, it, and it was textbook what you hear. Quit going to meetings, quit talking to people, boom. And it cost her dearly. But she's back now. You know, with two years. Oh, man. I was told that it's easier to stay sober than get sober. And when I got the chance to, to meet her and to hear about that, she absolutely echoed that. It was pure hell for her for two years. 
because the flip coin is the ego comes in, the God comes in and said, you're going to fail again. You didn't do it before. You're going to believe it now. You wouldn't ever drink. She had to fight that. And she couldn't stay sober with all past knowledge. As it says here, you cannot stay sober on self-knowledge alone. And finally, I got a chance to see two people take 50 and 51-year coins. And I watched these guys get up at the end, and they took a rag, and they cleaned the tables. And that's what I was taught back in Michigan. Service. You know, I was stupid enough to go back. (laughs) I was open-minded enough to go back into the classroom for the third time. And I feel comfortable in my stomach. I'm going to stop after this one. I I, I don't want to be Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino. Get off the yard! I have a tendency I could do that. I have a tendency I can do that. I, I just don't, words fall short, I, you know, of what this has done when, in, in the speaking. I hope that I walk the walk better than I ever have. I hope I do. You know, I, I've got a long way to go yet with relationships with the family. You know, because I take two steps forward and 19 steps back. You know, because I just can't shut this thing. You know, I just can't shut this thing. I, I've seen uh, at the most unopportune time, I have to pick up the rope and fight again. And then disguise it as, I'm only trying to be helpful. It's not true. I, and I got inspired last night. A guy that if he hadn't shared, you'd have thought... It would have never happened. He talked about people that he hadn't seen in years talk about how he had transformed outside the meeting. I want to transform more. I want to be transformed more, and I only know one way to do that. I need to work on my relationship with God. I need to stay around you guys. It's a combination. I understand the triangle better than ever before now. Understand it. I didn't say work it. I'm trying to be effective. I'm doing it the best I can. I don't wake up in the morning and say, hey, you know what, that little kid in row three, I'm going to piss him off today because he pissed me off yesterday. Don't take it away from me. Remember what happens there stays here. Well, <laughs> anyway, I, I'm grateful that you uh, have allowed me to come out and see you again. And do a little reflection on on what Alcoholics Anonymous and the fellowship and friendships that I've never had before have done for me. And I I, I hope that you guys stay on your path. And I hope you keep getting miracles and keep getting just a life beyond your wildest imagination. Because I would have shortchanged myself if they made me write down on paper the first 90 days. What are you trying to get out of here? So I had no idea all this stuff was going to happen. I just had no idea. So I think that's been long enough. And I again, I thank you. And I say good night.